Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Sarah. Hey, geeks. All right, Sarah, so you and I are here, Sans Raker. Um, he unfortunately, we wouldn't let him come on and discuss this. <laughs> right. Because, hey, uh, we we both love this show and Raker was going to break us down, score-wise. <laughs> So we, yeah, we omitted him from this. Yeah. But it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he doesn't need to know. No, 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 he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we have very strong opinions about this show that we're standing pretty firm on this. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, you know, he wanted to be on the show, but unfortunately he couldn't make it. He's pretty busy uh, this week. And so, you know, we said that. Fine. We'll we'll take it over. We'll do our thing. We'll review it. And uh, so, unfortunately, couldn't be here. Uh, but of course, we always like to have Rake here because he's able to, you know, sometimes throw in thoughts and opinions that uh, you know just come from a different angle. Yeah, exactly. That's a nice way of saying. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is unique in his thought <laughs> there you process. Go. Okay. Uh, all right, so we are reviewing The Haunting of Hill House, which is a show that came out last year. It, it was on Netflix, and it was a a huge sensation. Um, I remember hearing about it. Uh, within a few days of it dropping, there were people at work that were just, just saying, oh, this is such an amazing show. I watched it in like a single day. It, it's <laughs> phenomenal. You have to see this show. And so I thought, okay, that's great. And then uh, a supervisor of mine walked over and said, hey, hey, have you seen The Haunting of Hill House? And I dropped my head in shame and I said, no, I haven't. And he said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Leave work right now. Go home and watch it. Um, in fact, he was just kidding. I did go home. <laughs> um, I did, in fact, finish my shift and then I went home and then I watched it. Um, and I worked the next day, so I was able to just plow through the whole thing. So when he came back, you, know, you could actually discuss it. Yeah, I did. And we discussed it in length, actually. So, yeah, so this dropped um, uh, in the early to mid part of November. Um, release date was November 10th, 2018. It was written and directed by Mike Flanagan. A runtime of, well, it was uh, roughly, I would say, about an hour, uh, somewhere in the 50 minutes, 50 minutes to an hour. Uh, run so between time. like nine and ten hours. Yeah, overall. So there's yeah. ten episodes. So yeah, it probably came out, you know, between yeah nine and ten hours long. Um, Which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, budget. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I, I searched high and low for the budget for the show. I could not find. The know, problem the, with these the Netflix shows. Yeah, uh, they don't like to release that information, which I understand. Um, so it stars. Uh, uh, Michelle Hoisman, uh, Carlo Gugino, Timothy Hutton, Annabeth Gish, Henry Thomas, Kate Siegel, and Elizabeth Reeser. Uh, 
the ensemble cast here is just incredible. Yeah. Like the names alone, you know most of them, and then the people you don't know just come in a blazing. Like the actors, they're something special. We'll like we'll discuss it further, but right off the top, the acting is top notch. Yeah, there, it, the acting is really great, and there are definitely more people in this than the ones we we just mentioned. Victoria Pedretti, uh, which is her first acting credit, actually, uh, which is amazing. And then the kids in the show: Lulu Wilson, McKenna Grace. Uh, Paxton Singleton and Julian Hilliard and Violet McGraw. So these are the kids and they all do a fantastic job. Not to jump the gun here, but they do. Um, all right. So before we get into any more of this uh, geek speak, uh, I have a recommendation and Sarah, I did recommend this to you before. Oh yeah. And uh, by the way, did you watch this? I can't remember. No, <laughs> not yet. Okay. Good. It's on so, my saved list, but okay. So this is actually something. It's good because we can save this for Halloween this year. Um, it's a a movie called Hush on Netflix. So about a year and a half ago, it was around Halloween. Um, I was looking for something to watch, and I was on Netflix. I was just you know trying to find some kind of I don't know scary movie, some thriller or whatever. And I stumbled upon Hush, which I didn't know anything about this movie, hadn't heard anything about it. And I decided to give it a shot. I watched it and it is fantastic. So the funny thing here is that the same director that directed this directed Hush. Oh, really? That's Mike Flanagan's the same guy? Same guy. And uh, the star of Hush is um, Kate Siegel. Oh, so that's he Theodora. Plays, yeah, he plays Theodora in this show. She's great. And and she wrote the screenplay for it. Wow. So, yeah. That's talent there. I mean, is, she's got one really, really pretty face. Yes, like, she, yes, she does. It's hard to describe, but she's just like, she's got one of those beauties that's just, you know, once in a blue moon type of thing. Well, it, she looks like... Um, um, uh, like Angelina, young Angelina Jolie. Yes, I was to say. I could, could, for yeah. some reason, I couldn't think of her name, but Angelina. Yes, Angelina Jolie, definitely. Yeah, something about the eyebrow and the lips. It's just that it's very similar look. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so the plot synopsis for this show is: the Crane family purchase uh, purchases Hill House in the hopes of fixing it up and turning a profit. The tragedy strikes, and the children are whisked away by their father. Not fully understanding uh, what happened, they grow up each having been shaped by the experiences at the spooky house. Now odd events are happening once again as some seek answers and others choose not to believe. So trying not to be too uh, <laughs> too spoilery there in case you haven't watched it. Um, it's just a very basic outline for the show, and um, yeah. So a little bit of a warning: we're going to get spoilery. Yes, we're going to get spoilery. So yes, definitely spoiler warning. Uh, because we will be diving into the show. Uh, and our one-sentence reviews. So, um, Sarah, what is yours? I wrote down that you know, The Haunting of Hill House is an absolutely creepy and gorgeous masterpiece. Okay. Like, I want to keep it simple, because, like, this show, you want to go into detail, but it really is just, like, a perfectly well-done Okay. Piece of art. 
Um, mine is a show that a, a show of exceptional quality that mixes Lost and This Is Us with liberal amounts of frightening moments. This is something truly special. Yeah, accurate, very accurate. Okay, uh, let's jump into this uh, show and let's actually talk about the Haunting of Hill House. So, before we get started, Sarah, you and I uh, we actually did a review for the Haunting, which is. <laughs> the forebear of this show i mean look this is based loosely this show is based loosely on a novel by shirley jackson right that came out because hill house is an actual place that exists okay this isn't something made up this actually exists in real life it's it's no, uh known by a lot of people that are you know into the paranormal into spooky stuff that you know hill house is one of those places that everyone knows about so Shirley Jackson wrote this book uh, a long time ago, back, I believe, in the I think the late 50s, I believe, or early 60s. I can't remember the exact year, but it was uh, quite some time ago. And of course, you know, there was, uh, you know, The Haunting of Hill House that, that came out many years ago, many, many years ago. I think they just called like The Haunting. Or are you the, talking about the other one? Oh, the other one, the old one. Okay, okay yeah. Uh, the one that people would say was the best at the time. Yeah. And then in the late nineties, there was a another movie called the it's called the Haunting, but it's basically supposed to be the Haunting of Hill House, and it's it's definitely I think a little more faithful I you know than this is, um, but it's not a very good movie. It's <laughs> although like it, when yeah. I was watching the show and um what's space the oldest brother has that flash or has like he's in like um the future vision, but it's not really one. It's the house like messing with him, mm -hmm. but it's got his um, wife uh, talking about she's pregnant and going to call the daughter El Eleanor. And I'm like, season two, <laughs> the child will go to the house. <laughs> and then it was like, it's the house play. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Took it away. Yeah. So, so this actually, you know, has, you know, predecessors, this adaptation. Yeah. So, uh, but that movie is not very good. If you want to listen to our review of The Haunting that came out in 1999, you know, go ahead, you know, listen to it. We didn't give, I believe, very good grade for that for that movie. No. So, um, and that was a movie like I remembered as a kid being like terrified of, and then I'm, so I'm like, okay, yeah, let's watch that for an episode. And then I watch it, and I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> How was this scary at all? Right. Or even like. Like not funny. <laughs> you you were easily impressed at the time. Apparently, <laughs> like even my husband and I were talking about on the way home about stuff that scared us as kids and doesn't anymore. And we both have goosebumps episodes from mm -hmm. childhood that terrified us then. And when we watch later on in life, it's just like that is a guy in a rubber suit. Like what the heck? Like children's imagination is so much more vivid. Yeah, I I still say that the creepiest uh, episode of goosebumps was uh the mask the first yeah episode. his is the night of the living dummy yeah. i don't remember what mine was but it had to do with a swamp <laughs> okay well the, i still say the mask is the, is the best episode they ever did on that show but that's just it me. was damn good I remember um, that. okay so uh yeah let, let's go into this uh into this show and let's start talking <laughs> about all of it. all of basically what makes this show so good so you know let's break down the basic plot now that we can actually talk about spoilers so um this the show is split into two timelines so we shift from uh back in the past which is the family showing up 
at Hill House. So the Crane family, the parents, uh, they decide to purchase this house, right? It is uh, Olivia and um, uh, what's the father's name? I can't remember. Uh, Stephen Crane. Stephen Crane, right. Our, no, Hugh. Yeah, Hugh Crane and Olivia. And yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So That's the son. Hugh and Olivia, they, they purchased this house with the idea of, you know, fixing it up, making it presentable because it is old, you know, it needs a lot of work. So their idea is they're going to fix it up and then they're going to, you know, tar- flip it and make a huge profit because they have this dream of building their, basically their forever home, right? Yeah. Uh, they've been working on this design, you know, because Olivia is a contractor, I guess, basically, she draws up the blueprints and all this stuff. And so, you know, the idea is sell this house, make a bunch of money. And then this dream home that we've been thinking about for years and years and years, we can actually build it. Right. And so we jump from the past, which is, you know, they buy this house and then we see all these events that happen to the kids and to to Olivia and uh, to a lesser extent, Hugh, because he's kind of half oblivious to what's going on. He doesn't really understand or see a lot of the paranormal stuff that's going on. But he um, has like a better understanding of what's happening. Right, right. So uh, we see, you know, the events that play out over the course of, I, th- I think probably what comes out to a few months in this house uh, as things get progressively worse, especially with Olivia, uh, she in particular seems uh, very susceptible to the effects of the house, the things that happen. Uh, it kind of like attacks her more or less uh, psychically. And um, it makes sense. She's in the house the most. I mean, the kids will go out and play. You know, the husband's always working, doing stuff outside. But she's generally always in the home. So it's mm-hmm. going to have the most effect on her. Right. So... Uh, the show switches between the events of the past and then present day. So the events of the past take place, I believe, around 1990 or so, right? And then the events of the present take place in, you know, present time, you know, 2018, 2017, I think somewhere in that time frame. So you're jumping ahead, um, you know, between 15 and 20 years for all these characters. So these children are now adults. And the the focus of this show, in a lot of ways, is uh, shared trauma. Uh, really, is what the big focus I think this show is about. Is you know all of these kids experience some things, some more than others, but they all experience things over the course of time in that house and events, especially the tragedy that takes place, really shapes their lives. So. Uh, you know, if you go and you look at what happens in this house in the past, you know, things get progressively worse for Olivia. And eventually um, she ends up, um, she ends up killing a small child with poison, tries to poison her own children. And ultimately, um, after uh, Hugh gets the kids out of the house, she, um, you know, leaps to her death. It, you know, yeah. she's in the top portion of the house. She jumps and she kills herself. By the way, it's not because she's devastated. I mean, she is kind of devastated, but mostly it's because um, she, it, at some point, she can't tell the difference between what is a dream and what is real. 
she thinks and she's, she's trying to wake up by yeah, jumping. And she's convinced that uh, the outside world is bad and it will eat her up and you know, destroy children. her and her family. So yep. she wants to keep everyone safe. So there's all these ghosts that live in this house, all these people that have died in this house over the years. Some are, you know, probably perfectly um, fine. I, I, I don't know how to describe them. They're, they're um, normal, nice ghosts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with them. They're not trying to hurt anybody, but there are some malevolent entities inside this house that, you know, want to do harm. And, you know, there's uh, one in particular that, that kind of, takes Olivia under her wing and kind of manipulates her. And and that's kind of what leads her to beginning to question her reality. So ultimately, you know, she dies and the kids grow up. But the problem is they're estranged from their father, right, Hugh? Because they don't really know what happened in the house. Some saw more than others did, but they really don't know what happened. And their father won't really talk about it and from what they've heard they think it's crazy so Stephen is now an author he writes these scary stories he goes and visits people they tell him you know these paranormal story stories he then kind of uses them for his books and then that's how he kind of sells his book he doesn't believe in any of this stuff by the way it's just he's a writer this tends this seems to make him money so he doesn't that's it like, he, that's no... the defense mechanism he's created is that it's not real uh everything can be explained and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. that's that's the way he copes right and you know he doesn't really know much about the past now elizabeth uh or, i'm sorry that's the, that's the actress um uh, shirley is um she is a mortician uh, she has a funeral home and She's kind of like the perfect sibling, you know, like she... very pragmatic, very OCD. Yep. And she can be, you know, the best kind of sibling to have or the absolute worst in times of crisis because she's just so wound up. Yeah, she is. So, uh, you know, then we have we have Luke, who, you know, was this cute little bespectacled boy. Um, and he has a twin, by the way, um, who uh, is Nell. They're both tw- they're twins, and um, you know, Luke grows up to be a drug addict because of the things that he saw in the house, and uh, he's been in and out of rehab. Whereas uh, Nell was able to grow up and surprisingly have a somewhat normalish life. I mean, she's been haunted by the the bent neck lady. Yeah. Whole life it suffers from sleep um, paralysis like it, it's somehow it's like it's combinated into you know she has like sees the uh, uh, ghost along with having these episodes of sleep paralysis it's right. what in what's it makes it happen right and so um you know now gets married and then there's a tragedy that she suffers uh when her husband uh, she thinks is killed by the bent neck lady or some entity uh, because he just collapses um and uh it's horrible then, watching like she's in a sleep paralysis state and for a while she can't move to yeah. help her husband mm-hmm. and like, that's just watching her face like this is another thing about the acting is it is phenomenal the mm-hmm. restraint and terror and she looks like she's being held down and really fighting like it looks very accurate the terror is so real it's just Oh, 
I can't, I can't say enough about the acting. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, so so all these characters, uh, Theo, Theo is, um, she, she's a, a therapist. Therapist, and um, she's had this ability since childhood to when she, you know she touches somebody, she she knows their deepest darkest secrets. She knows everything about them more or less. And so she wears gloves a lot because she doesn't want to touch people. And so this is kind of a metaphor for her as a person because she kind of keeps everybody at arm's length. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. So then, we, you know, we have uh, all these all these characters now older. And uh, we, we see Nell. She, she's the first person that dies. She goes uh, you know, to the house and she ends up. Uh, like her mother jumping to her death except uh in this i think she hangs herself yeah. and she becomes the bro the the bent neck lady because ultimately what she, you know this has been going on since she was a kid when she was a little kid she saw the bent neck lady for the first time in her life and she saw her you know multiple times as a little kid and has seen her you know sporadically throughout the years and she thought that it was this evil awful spirit but what it was was after her death, she literally traveled through time to all different moments, trying to, in a lot of ways, warn her. But because her because her neck is broken, she can only kind of gargle and scream as she's trying to communicate to Nell, but she can't. So it's like this self-fulfilling, tragic prophecy that kind of happens with with Nell, you know, in that way. Yeah, yeah, it's very. It, it it shocked me when I saw it. it. It was a great twist, very very well done, and it makes so much sense. Right. So uh, one of the great things about this show is that each episode focuses on a character. Uh, that's why I mentioned in my one sentence review that it was like Lost, because in Lost each episode focuses on a specific character. So you and on top of that, in Lost you flash back to the events before the island, before they crashed on the island. And then you go to events that are currently happening on the island with their character. So uh, that is, I think, where kind of the lost influence really, is. you can see that in the show. And it's to its, its uh, credit because, you know, one of the best things about Lost, if you go back and you watch that show, is that aspect. I mean, seeing these characters, they're their triumphs, their tragedies, the things that they don't want people to know, the other uh, survivors, you know, that's one of the best things about that show because you can see you, the audience, learn more about these characters um, pre-island crash um, because how do these events inform their character on the island? And so it's kind of the same here. What are the events that happened in the past and how do they inform their character as adults? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's giving us information, and basically just you know letting us know why this is the way it is, or tying strings, making connections that further the story along, or end up being a part of the story near the end. And it's very well done. Like, I I would be no good at that. People who have to keep like track of all these connections, make and weave them throughout the story. Like people that can do that are are brilliant. I would not be able to do that. Right. So, um, 
you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on what happens here because I want to get into the script and, and some other stuff. But basically, you know, if you've seen the show, then you know exactly what we're talking about. If you haven't seen the show, um, all I'm going to say is that there's a, you know, after some things happen, you know, present day, it kind of starts this, you know, after, well, basically after uh, Nell dies it starts a chain of events which leads these characters to come back together again because the the crane children are they're not as estranged as they are from their father i guess but they some of them are closer to than others but they're all kind of separated right yeah. not so there's much, a bit of resentment towards mm-hmm. each and each and every one of them for something right it could be a number there's a number of reasons why they're not as strong of a family unit as they could be. And um, like I said, the, the shared trauma, the things that happened to them, that's to a large extent why they are the way they are and uh, why these fissures exist. And, you know, also, of course, some things that happened closer to, you know, present day that uh, have only enhanced that. So um, let's talk about the scripts here. Um, let's talk about the general um, quality. The writing in this show is just top-notch. The dialogue, it, it sounds realistic, and there's a lot of depth to the characters. I think probably the the crowning achievement of the show in a lot of ways is that this may be a scary story, and it is. Like There are plenty of frights in The Haunting of Hill House. There are some truly, truly <laughs> scary like jump out of your seat moments. Yeah. But um, I think that as great as that is, what really stands about, out about the show is two things. The focus on characters, right? Uh, which we were talking about. And the, the weaving of the stories, the themes and the ideas they weave into the scripts and also how events that happen in the show. There are things that happen early on in the first couple of episodes and you won't understand those events really what happened until you see like the last episode when some like okay so there's a i'll give you an example so there is a scene early on in the season where theo is dancing she's watching a tv it's like a dance video and she's you know copying the dance and and she's in this room by herself and there's you know um knock a pounding on the door right and then someone's trying to get in they're trying to you know twist the knob and they can't get in and she's like is it luke you know she's she doesn't know who it is but she's not opening up the door okay and she basically yelled at him like you know stop playing around go away right stuff like that and so she gets closer and she kind of peeks down and then she sees some feet kind of run away. And then you're like, okay, that's weird. So then at the, at the end of the season, you find out that that isn't like some ghost or anything. That's actually her two sisters. That is Nell and um, Shirley. Yeah. So they were trying to get into this room that nobody can get into in this house that nobody can seem to get, have the key for or whatever. But, they're the ones that are trying to get into this room unbeknownst to them. Um, you know, Theo is already in this room. 
So it turns out that there have been many times where these kids have been in this particular room, even though nobody can can you know can seem to actually you know get into it. Um, there's just so many times where because it takes different forms, and depending on who's in there, and so uh, just nobody realizes it. Yeah. Because um, the the house can transform itself a bit. This is like the heart of the house. So or the stomach. This is what I talk about. There are things that are in this script that they had to know before they ever shot a single bit of footage for this show. They had to have everything mapped out. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were doing. They knew exactly where they were going. They knew how things were going to eventually play out. In this just came down to just a level of craft, intelligence, and forethought. Like the storyboarding that had to have been done on the show, like I couldn't even imagine. Like I wish like you could see a picture of just like a never ending storyboard, because that's what it feels like is you know, they got everything down to like the very last detail that makes connections to other episodes you wouldn't even think of. Like everything had to be pre planned. Very, very, very well storyboarded. Yeah, it is. Um, so if we look at, uh, you know, to continue looking at the scripts here, um, I would think I was just astounded all throughout how there were so many moments where the characters all had the chance to really, um kind of develop and you know even as kids you could see the qualities that they would carry with them into adulthood which i think is smart from a script standpoint and definitely smart from an acting standpoint both the kids and the adults Uh, i think they made sure that you know theo was going to be awkward and would eventually find out in that house that she has this weird ability when she touches people or touches different objects that she can sense something she can see something that uh, other people can't um you know and and just you know all of the characters being you know three-dimensional i think from a script standpoint that really is important and i think they really do a good job of you know making olivia uh you know intelligent and warm and and also cold at times and yeah and they had a phenomenal um marriage like very strong, mm-hmm. you know, very connected, very communicative, mm-hmm. and always, you know, took time and patience with their children. It was very well done and set up. Like you, they showed us that these are amazing parents, good people, and that when they're short with their children, something's very wrong with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think from a script standpoint, you know, all ten episodes are are really fantastic. Now. I personally couldn't find really almost anything for the most part when it came to any criticisms from a script standpoint. I thought you know, the characters are um, they're well-drawn characters. Um, I think they're, they're dynamic characters. There's a level of emotional relatability that I think everyone can, uh, you know, really, you know, connect with, I guess is what I'm looking for. And, um, yeah, it's just fantastic. So, uh, Sarah, why don't you uh, give me your grade? What did you give for this uh, the show? For script, I gave it 92. Because oh. it's fairly phenomenal. <laughs> I think we can both agree. Yeah. Um, I, gave it a, I gave it a 94. Yeah, I figured you'd be very close. 
yeah, it um, like I said, it's just all the scripts are are very carefully crafted. They're very well done. Um, they really do stand out. Um, all right, so let's talk about uh, the acting here. So, oh man, like yeah. there's so many <laughs> scenes that you could pick. And it would be amazing that you go in depth to talk about like, that's the kind of show this is like, there's always an amazing scene to digest. It's could go on and on about acting. Yeah. I mean, look, the actors in this are just truly fantastic. I mean, Carla Cugino, who plays Olivia, you know, I saw her years ago in like a, a, a Bon Jovi video and you know back when i was a kid and then i've seen her throughout you know my life in movies and tv shows and stuff but there's something about the last five or six years where she's really almost had like a second career you know she's always been a good supporting character and stuff and i've seen her pop up in a lot of different things but the quality of the projects that she's been able to get onto over the last five years is impressive I mean, she really has turned into somebody that people are now going to go to and say, I really need a strong, beautiful actress. And uh, she should be at the top of many lists. Um, yeah. And like, I watched that Bon Jovi music video, went back and watched her in it. She is like as beautiful, if not even more beautiful now, which is ridiculous. Like, yeah, she's just 19, one of those people that. Yeah. 1994. Beautifully. <laughs> I was like 1994, which is just which ridiculous. Bullshit. I, was, I was 12. I was 12. Okay. Um, gorgeous. So, you know, if you look at like Henry Thomas, uh, he, I've seen him over, of course, you know, uh, Elliot from, you know, uh, E.T. Um, but, you know, he's been acting for, for many, many decades now. And I thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, Michelle uh, Huisman, he plays uh, Dario Naharis in Game of Thrones. So if, if you're like, where have I seen this guy? Um, he was in that. Uh, Elizabeth Reeser, another actress I've seen uh, over the last few years. Uh, we just she's talked wonderful. about. Yeah, she's wonderful. Kate Siegel. Um, Victoria Pedretti, this is her first acting you know, credit. Um, nuts. Right. And, and, you know, Annabeth, Annabeth Gish, we didn't even talk about her. She's been acting for decades now as, as Mrs. Dudley, the kind of the caretaker of this house and her husband, uh, Robert Longstreet is Mr. Dudley. Look, I can go on and on about all these actors. The point all to Timothy Hutton. I mean, Timothy Hutton's been he's <laughs> Oscar winning actor. Um, I mean, the, the point is, at the end of the day, this is a truly fantastic cast. And the acting across the board from the adults down to the kids is just great. I mean, McKenna Grace, McKenna Grace, who plays young Theo. I remember the first episode of this show. I was like, I she reminds me of somebody. Who does she remind me of? And then I, I just it clicked in my head. So if you ever have you ever seen um, Mad Men? No, <laughs> I know you're gonna scold me. Yes, it's it's fine. I, I, you should be. Scolded. You're used to it. <laughs> um, yeah, you you should be scolded. Uh, there's an actress named uh, Kiernan Shipka, who played Sally Draper. Now, go ahead and and look her up. Hey, what's her name? Her name? Kier Kiernan Shipka. It's K I E R N A N, and Shipka S H I P K A. 
So if you if you look at her on IMDb, look at her photo. I mean, she literally is to me at least McKenna Grace in about you know seven or eight years. So if you take a look, yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. So when I saw her on the show, I was like, it's it's crazy how much she looks like her, and so. Um, oh, she's Sabrina too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's Sabrina. Gotcha. Um, all right. So anyway, the point is the acting is just, it's stunning. It really is. It's just the end of the day. The acting is uh, phenomenal. So there, there's just so much to love. And the fact that the kids in this show, to me personally, I thought they were all fantastic from the little, you know, kids that, you know, the actors that played uh, Luke and, and Nell all the way up to, you know, McKenna Grace and, you know, other actors in there. Um, they're just great. I don't know what else to say. They, they all bring a level of maturity and intelligence and emotional uh, depth to their roles that in the hands of lesser actors and directors would, it would be a real weak point maybe for a show like this. And like, you can tell that these kids studied their adult counterparts because they also mimic a lot of the mannerisms. And I think that attention to detail is just, man, that is some hella good acting. Oh, you think you think so? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> yeah, it's just the fact that like the kids, like, I don't know if they're instructed to probably, but you know, the fact they probably like really studied their adult versions and tried to mimic as best they could. Okay. No, no, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. I do think that they had to, you know, mimic the adults to make sure that there's mannerisms that uh, matched up. Had it down. But even if like, that's written in, like, it's like the fact that they took the time to do that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do um, you have any, like, uh, scenes that stick out for acting specifically. Oh, I, like, mean, I know there's a lot, oh, but it's like, what, what do you pick? You know, it, right? I, I think, um, oh, man, it, um, I, I guess if I had to pick one off the top of my head, I do agree. I think the the uh, Nell scene when when her husband dies. Uh, collapses in you know on his way to turning on the light and then you know she's in sleep paralysis and she's trying to move and she the tears are streaming down her face or the you know the bent neck lady is there at the foot of the bed and it's just there's a, a combination of pure terror it's seeing the bent neck lady and yet the fact her husband just collapsed and he's not moving and he's not you know it's just a fantastic bit of acting but i mean that's just one scene in what is a tour de force for all the actors involved yeah like i think my favorite scene is the nell scene too like that's one of my like ones that stick out as well but also there's this like really creepy i remember this creepy um uh it's when she's i think it's shirley that's in the morgue Mm -hmm. and um the body nell's body sits up and She's trying to talk, but she can't because her jaw's wired shut. So she literally like pries her own jaw open, like clips like the binding or whatever, so she can talk. Oh, that was and Olivia. Just, that was when oh, Olivia touched. She remember she she actually saw her children. Remember? Right. Yeah. 
Right. Yes. But that was that was fantastic. Like you could see her trying to talk and like she is like got all the makeup, got these contacts in where you can't see like her eyes, it's all clouded over, and still like her acting is just top. It's fantastic. It was it was so off like creepy off putting, but in a good way that you're like, damn, that's horrifying. Yeah. It's it's (sighs) and um Shirley, uh, the actress that plays Shirley, her acting too, I think was just, oh, you know, when they, she first finds out that like Nell passed away and like, she's insisting that she has to be the one to take care of the body. Like, oh my God, just fantastic. Right. And, and like we could go scene after scene for all yeah, the actors. Um, there's one scene that I, I do, I just want to kind of pause and go back to from a script standpoint because I wanted to talk for a second before we get our acting grades here. So this is just to, to kind of give you an idea of how good the scripts are and how good the character development is. So uh, Shirley is a character who is very know-it-all, kind of rigid, um, kind of the perfect person where she kind of harps on everybody's flaws around her. Someone makes a mistake, man, you know that Shirley is going to let you know about it, you know? Yeah, controlling. Um, right. And so you get to the end of the season, and all throughout, littered all throughout the season, are these brief moments where she'll look over at nothing, whatever, and she'll see a man sitting in a bar, and he kind of looks at her, holds his glass up, kind of like toaster and you see the same exact scene playing over and over and over again and it's just like as a, as a viewer i was thinking what the hell is this what, yeah like it's so like know, it's not creepy it's it, not a ghost why is he there well i was thinking like is this a ghost because it didn't make any sense to me and uh, it's like why is she seeing this, this guy holding up a glass so you get to the end you get to the final episode and there's a moment when she's in Hell House, and this is like the, the basically it's the house playing with her, it's toying with her, yeah, and, showing her the worst of herself, right? And the worst of herself is she she went on this conference, right? And um, she was trying to sit a pro morgue, I believe she just had her first kid, you know, like uh, six months earlier or something like that, or a year earlier. It's like the first time she was actually getting out of the house and getting to be like an adult again, right? And so she goes on this conference and she's sitting at a bar and this this guy buys her a drink. And so, of course, she's like, uh, you know, not receptive, but she sends over like this plate of like the worst food the bar has to offer. <laughs> and so Cheers. he comes over and he sits next to her and they get into this conversation and she's like, hey, look, I'm married. And he's like, you know, well, just talk. So they basically talk. And yet. Ultimately she she you see the scene play out and she's lying to herself because he gets up and he leaves but the reality is what really happened was she he gave some kind of i can't remember the exact line you know the i can't remember the exact line that you know what he said to her but it was some kind of quippy you know kind of sexually charged line and she said something back where she's like, show me what kind of man you are. Was it anything? Anyway, the point ultimately is she on this moment in this moment, 
uh, gave in to uh, this guy and slept with him, right? So she cheated on her husband and she slept with him. And so now you see in a lot of ways why she is the way he she is because she has this awful, terrible thing that she did and she's she's trying to run away from it. And she's been trying to run away, run away from it for years and this harping on everybody else's flaws is a way of shielding herself from looking at herself, basically yeah. uh, her own flaws, the things that she's done that she, you know, isn't proud of. And she's terrified of looking at herself and seeing a flawed person. So therefore she has to criticize everybody else for every mistake they make. So the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, from a script standpoint, that is phenomenal. That is fantastic work and uh, that is what we see all throughout the entire show from all the different characters and it's just great so um, you know ultimately uh, it's just fantastic and so let me get your grade for the acting acting I gave it 94 okay and um, I'm going to give the acting a also a 94 so I think it definitely yeah. deserves that. Mm-hmm. So why don't you uh, talk a little bit about the directing? Oh man, I, this is something else a rabbit hole I could go down is the directing is wonderful. And so many of the camera shots, I could talk about this shot forever. And it's this, this specific scene is in the funeral home. And it's like, a 15 minute long scene without a single cut going from actor to actor. They're all fighting and it all like comes to this like climactic, you know, moment of exchanging like words and then the casket drops and it's just, it scared the crap out of me. It was so well done. And you know, the fact that they had this building for a good 15 minutes without a single cut, all the actors are so invested and none of them were dropping the ball. Everyone was just like, and you know, behind that camera, people are moving stuff and there's gotta be like five people in charge of like keeping the set going. Like that is incredible to me. Like that is beyond belief almost like the fact that they could do that. That is an insane ability. That was one of my favorite scenes tonight. Like, I remember watching that and being like, I don't think they've had a cutscene <laughs> in a really long time. And just kept going and going. I was just so impressed. That was the moment for me. Yeah, it's a real highlight of the series. Uh, just not having a cut. It's like this long, you know, shot, uh, unbroken shot of these characters sitting around Nell's coffins right there. And it's just this explosive moment because it's where things actually begin to erupt. And you're seeing the tension build. And if there was like a lot of cuts, if it was cut, you know, like most scenes would be, it would have interfered with that tension building. And so not having that allowed the scene to kind of build slowly. And it got worse and worse and worse until things really started to, you know, erupt. Um, (laughs) Shows us that Nell gets really pissed off when her family is fighting, even in death. Because I'm sure it's now that they made the casket drop, and it's just like reinforced when um, Shirley and Theo are in the car driving towards Hill House, and they're 
bitterly arguing, like nasty arguing. And Nell's ghost just like screams in between them and they just like screech off to the side of the road and Theo just runs out crying onto the grass. And that was like amazing scene too. It was just, it scared the living crap out of me. I jumped so high. You don't expect it. And that's just like the kind of jump scares that are worth it. You know, they have payoff. It's not just there to be a jump scare for no apparent reason. It's perfect. So I can't rave more about like that kind of work. No, look, the directing here is just, it's on a different level. I mean, look, this show yeah. is not going to get the kind of recognition it probably deserves. The craftsmanship on display won't get the recognition it deserves. Not, not that I feel like, you know, awards are, at the end of the day, awards are meaningless. I mean, really, it's not something. You're in it that, for the craft. Right. And it's not, it's not that important to be honest with you and no one's going to care at the end of the day the fact is mike flanagan does just an exceptional job here i mean there's there's a fluidity with the camera work there is a a confidence and a and a grace with the camera work he knows what he's doing he knows exactly what he's going for i don't know how else to to talk about the camera work but just (laughs) to say that it feels like something that i would have if if steven spielberg directed this that's the quality i'm talking about wouldn't be surprised yeah it's really really good i mean the camera's moving all the time but it's not moving in a way that you notice i guess it's always feels feels like, like another entity in and of itself right it's just this fluid slow constant level of just camera work that is kind of opening up the scene and kind of going wide shots. You kind of see the entire inside of the house or the outside of the house. You get plenty of close-ups, you know, to see the emotion on the characters' faces. So there's an intimacy, but there's also this dread that, uh, you know, the certain shots really show the dread of the entire house and the tension building in certain scenes. And it's just a reflection of the way that it's shot. And it's just, it's just a different level. I, I, I'm, I was stunned by how good the camera work is. Uh, for me, the camera work gets 96. It's seriously, it's, it's some of the best camera work I've seen on a TV show in a long time. No, I, wholeheartedly agree i gave it the same score i gave it 96 excellent i couldn't agree more like even now there's like you're speaking about close-ups and i remember that scene um with the male caretaker i can't remember his name oh uh, mr dudley yeah mr dudley and he's talking about um when they're he's talking in the basement uh to um mr crane and he's talking about uh, when they had the first child that was stillborn. And it is a very long conversation. It's it's about Olivia tying into her that, you know, the house makes, you know, the women especially go crazy. And uh, But it's very long scene, but the camera is just inching closer, you know, very, very unnoticeably to the point where I'm like, God, they're almost right up in his eyes. And you almost didn't realize that you got there from, from a long shot. It was just, man, like, I, like I said, I could go down a rabbit hole, but 
it's just some of the scenes like you almost don't notice because the camera is just this whole other entity even of itself that just blends into its environment it's phenomenal work yeah uh special special effects uh are great here yeah really really great (laughs) um they they are just really exceptional quality i think a 93 for me i think you know the special effects are uh they're seamless, I think, in the show. The care, the act. Well, the actors uh, will be in the same scene as ghosts, and the ghosts look realistic. Um, the house will light up in, you know, with a glow in red. And there's a lot of practical effects here as well, uh, but at the same time, they incorporate just enough CGI uh, that you know, you know that if it was done to a lesser degree of quality that it would hurt the show quite a bit because you need the ghost to be real enough and frightening enough and they had to do it right they had to do it justice and i felt like they did it here but there was definitely quite a bit of um like i said practical effects that um probably helped you know with the budget and everything but i loved it i think they're great yeah yeah cgi was done very sparingly but where it was done was very effective and added to being like terrifying like the scene that i remember having cgi in it that just jumped out at me is that um with the kittens when they were young and you got one kitten like it's dead but it like starts breathing and then like it has like these demon eyes and it was just terrifying that cgi was used perfectly it was one of the most unsettling shots. Oh, yeah. Great work. The practical and CGI is just well done. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They uh, know how to bring out that unsettling, eerie terror. Yeah. 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 Uh, My special effects score was a 91. Okay. 91. Uh, editing and pacing. So uh, I, got, I gave it a 95. Damn. <laughs> So the the editing in this show is just it's just a different level. It just is. Um and so what do I mean by that? I mean there's a lot of different things. Look, th- this this show moves at its own pace, right? It's not it's not a quickly paced show. Um I I wouldn't quite say it's languid in pace, but it it's I'd say it's on the slower end, but it's not a bad thing, okay? I was so engrossed by this show. I never, I never once felt like I was never bored. I was never um, annoyed with how you know things weren't moving as fast, you know, as they could have. You know, I just thought that from an editing standpoint and a pacing standpoint, the show was just it was confident. And I want to talk for a second about transitions between scenes okay and specifically in the show the transitions between the past and the present and the present and the past so one of the things that really blew me away was the the level of quality that was required from an editing standpoint from a script standpoint from a directing standpoint in order to make these transitions from the past and the present the present and the past so amazing okay so let me explain. There are so many instances where there'll be a door that will open 
in you know it'll be open in a hill house a character will walk through it and it will immediately have a character walking through that door or through a door in the present or another example um there is a scene early on where somebody opens up or somebody puts a a some junk it's a scene with theo and her dad and they're putting junk in a box and then it transitions right to present day where someone's putting something in a box. It's these amazing transitions that are so seamless and so, um, you know, perfect. Well-crafted. Yeah, and they line up so well. Um, so it's a matching image. It's, a, you know, from the present, the past, and the past to the present. It's just, it, it's just, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's, most shows don't even try to do that, and they certainly don't do it with this kind of skill and, um, you know, attention to detail. And that's, I think, something else we need to talk about. The attention to detail in the show is just staggering, from a set design, from a set design standpoint, from an editing standpoint. You know, if they don't get this just right, if they don't edit this just right, there are so many instances in which this this show could be messed up just from not edit being edited properly. You're right. They had to know every single thing that was going to happen before they ever shot an out uh, one minute of film, because if they didn't, it was going to it was going to fail. They had to get it right from the start. Yeah, and yeah, you're totally right. Like the attention to detail is out of this world. The the background goes to just you know things they have going on in the back even beyond the ghost. Things happen in the background that. You almost don't notice right away, but if you watch it like a second time, you're going to notice. And then again, if you watch it again, like I think you'll notice something new every single time. It's one of those types of shows. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Uh, what is your grade for pacing and editing? Uh, 90. 90. Okay. Uh, and rewatchability. Um, I gave it a 90. What did you give it? I give it the same thing, a 90 as well. So some of our grades did actually, oddly enough, match up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so the script grade for this is a 93. Uh, the acting is a 94. The directing is a 96. The um, special effects are a 92. And the editing and pacing is a 92. And, of course, rewatchability is a 90. Average everything out, and it comes out to a 93 overall grade for Haunting of Hill House. Which, I mean, it's pretty spectacular. Oh, it's great. It really might is. be our highest. It's one of our highest. Definitely one of our highest. It's uh, for a TV show. We haven't done a whole lot in terms of TV shows, but this definitely puts it in the upper echelon. But it, it puts it in the upper echelon of uh, reviews, whether it's a TV show or a movie. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, very high up there. Do you have any final thoughts about uh, the show? Just that anyone who's listening, you need to go watch it. <laughs> if you have not watched it yet, it's vital that you do because it's a whole other experience. Like I remember people telling me about this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. You know, scary stuff. Woo, sure. And then I watched it and it's just, it is a whole other realm of incredibleness that you just, you're not going to expect until you watch it. So it's highly freaking recommended. Yeah. Look, um, like I said, this, to me, this is a tour de force. 
um, in so many ways. Uh, from an acting standpoint, it's just phenomenal across the board. From a directing standpoint, it is amazing. Fluid camera work, assuredness um, from Mike Flanagan as a as a director. He knows exactly what he's going for. From a script standpoint, he wrote these scripts. He um, knew exactly what he was aiming for with all the characters, all the ideas and the themes about grief and and loss and you know post uh, traumatic stress disorder and all these different things kind of all weave uh, together in the story and it, it creates this strong emotional current and when you get to the end when you get to the to the end of the show I mean if you're not if you're not absolutely moved by the way the show ends I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Maybe you're the Grinch. I have no idea. Maybe your heart is two sizes too you small. You have no soul. That's right. Um, and so, like I said, from everything from the all those to the special, special effects to the polish to the editing, it's just all one cohesive, amazing experience. I went into this, you know, hearing great things, hoping it was going to even maybe live up to the expectations that I've, I heard. It exceeded those expectations for me, and uh, it, to me, this is one of the gold standards of TV shows. It, it's probably going to have one season, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad in a lot of ways. I hope it doesn't get a season two. Uh, I don't want more than this because I don't want it to be tarnished by having a subpar season two. Yeah. Um, Perfect the, on its own. Don't mess with it. This is a one season uh, perfect season of a, yeah, of a show exactly uh all right everyone that's it for this episode thanks for listening to our review of the haunting of hill house so again if you haven't seen it check it out and if you're one of those people that says i don't watch scary shows until uh, halloween just make sure this is number one on your list when you come up to halloween this year uh, because this was set the mood this definitely all right everyone thanks for listening and I'll be back again in the next episode of the Freak Geeks Podcast. Bye, Geeks. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks Podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com 
licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.